Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and Hall of Fame broadcaster, my good friend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how are you? I'm good. I'm here with you. If I'm here with you, I'm good. My day just got better. It's a beautiful day in New York. I want to be around good people. So far, so good. No, I mean, I'm, we joke and stuff, but especially when you get a little older. I think always you want to be around good people, but even more so. You just want to be around good people, loyal people, good people, decent people, and you feel very fortunate when you are. Yeah. And then you're doing something that you care about and you have a passion for. And we're in a new studio now, too. Yep. And uh, it's nice, and nice people here, too. And a little bit of a reminder, kind of like a trip, nostalgic trip a little bit, because many, many years ago, my goodness, 30 uh more i mean whatever 35 but i used to now to come here now i gotta take a ferry boat and a subway and i haven't done that for for 30 years <laughs> 35 years whatever it's been but i used to do it every day of my life yeah when i came from catskill and i moved back uh with my wife and my little children uh infant children at that time i, I would you know go get on a boat and take the subway to gleason's gym which was in manhattan not brooklyn now it's in brooklyn you know, every day. And I would, you know, it, it was a big part of my life. Now I haven't done that for so many years, so I'm just getting used to it. Again, we had to come up a little few more stops now on the subway. <laughs> so I had to revisit, you know, getting off at the same stop that I did for Gleason's, Penn Station, 34th Street, because yeah. Gleason's was on like 31st Street and 7th Avenue, right off it. Yeah. You know, now it's like a janitor warehouse. Yeah. Uh, but the great Gleason's gym, my God. Uh, and then you walk how great was that and then you walk a couple blocks to the garden you had a guy fighting in the garden with the felt form which I did many times you train your fighters during the day and then you go into the walk three blocks to the garden for one of your fighters to fight boy oh boy just just you know bring you back as I sat in the I said, I got to get off 34th Street. I got to go get off there again, you know? And, and you got to learn your way again because I got on the I got on the local instead of the express. You got to get on the express <laughs> because the local, you know. Take the scenic route. Yeah, you got to stop all the stops and everything, you know? And and then, of course, all the stuff that comes with the subway, you know, a lot of entertainment, free stuff that you don't ask for. <laughs> you don't ask for it. But, you know, the entertainment, the stuff that comes. Guy comes on the subway card, you know, he, 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 he puts a... Uh, bucket down in the middle of the floor and then he says hello everybody i'm gonna sing for you i, I didn't ask you to sing yeah, for yeah, you, yeah but but it reminded me you know it reminded me and whether you like uh fortunately today i like stevie wonder yeah you know i, I like stevie wonder music i do i but I, I always I, appreciate it too when someone says hey can i have some money and by the way i'm gonna do something for it and entertain yeah, you versus yeah, just like well, hey give me a dollar oh yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> you know but so he came in it was good you know and again i you know um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask him if he does Sinatra, you know, <laughs> but but Stevie Wonder was fine yeah, because yeah. you know he's, some, he's got some of the greatest songs of all time. So did that, you know, and again just thinking of you know how as we were passing the stops again on the local next time I take the express, you know, but <laughs> just looking, you know, going to Chambers Street, 14th Street, you know, 28th Street, 23rd Street, all, all the day, it would remind me because depending on the weather, sometimes in my mind, I would get done after a whole day in Gleason's. I say, you know, I don't want to go to Penn Station. I want to walk. So then I always had a choice. I would walk down the A line, walk down that, that, that one line. Yeah. And so I could walk down the 
28th. I feel like keep walking. I go to 20. I want to keep walking. I go to 14th Street. You know, whatever. Or I walk all the way to the ferry. You know, and and all the just brought back those kind of memories, and um, and it brought me to you. Yeah, I love walking in the city. The other night after the um, AJ Ruiz fight, I walked back to um, the New York Athletic Club from the Garden, and you know, maybe like a mile or something. But you know, one o'clock in the morning, it was. I love walking in the city, but that what you just described about. <clears throat> walking over to the felt forum when you had a guy fighting to me more so than any other sporting event and rob went to the um aj fight with me walking into that empty arena to see the undercard fights to me is like that's the pinnacle of sports before, i love before it before the arena fills up you know? there were probably 20 people in exactly. there exactly it was i love it i i would encourage anyone if you're going to a fight Please don't walk in at nine. <laughs> like we were there literally at five o'clock. We, we left at twelve thirty, but I loved every second of it. Awesome fights. And speaking of which, I want to talk to you about um, the current state of the heavyweight division and where you think we go from here. And <clears throat> obviously, with AJ losing, it sh- upsets the apple cart to say the least. And before well, temporarily we, because uh, well no you're right but temporarily because it's going to be a rematch obviously it's going to be and, a rematch but I think people have a much different view well, now. Mr. Heyman is the man right now. Mr. Heyman oh, is Don King. He's close. Thirty years ago. He's close. After if, if Ruiz wins this rematch, he's going to be but Don King ruled the roost. Yeah. You know of the heavyweight division, he 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 controlled everything. You know Heyman controls controls a big part of it right now. Yeah. If Ruiz wins that rematch, he's going to own a much bigger part of it. Um, but I'm curious to know where do you, how you have them ranked? Like, let's say, call it top four or five. I mean, really, there's three. No, I mean, Wilder now, obviously, he just jumped over, you know, uh, Joshua, obviously. And then Wilder, you know, I've been very, hey, we're always very forthright about what we say here. We're not worried about what people are going to say or making friends or enemies. But one thing people should know is we have no preference. We're, we're just telling the truth. We don't make enemies. We don't uh, make, we're, we're just listen. telling you what we think. Yeah, and you got to live with your... There's one thing you can't get back. You can't get back your reputation. You know what I mean? You can get money back. You know, you could always make money after you lose it or whatever. Um, there's always hope for that. But you can't get your reputation back. You know, once, once you're a guy that uh, isn't believed to be a guy that tells what should be the truth or what you believe to be the truth, uh, that doesn't... That doesn't come back, so I, I that's important. Yeah, I always have thought about that, and uh, you know, I've lost a lot of opportunities for money because of sometimes because of those things. But I, I haven't lost, I haven't lost my reputation for what I wanted to be. And and if you wanted to be that, you got to live a certain way for it to be that. Yeah, you know, and and walk a certain way. You know, not perfect, but. The right, the way that you believe is right. Yeah, and um, one thing I've never lost is just the ability to be able to demand things from my kids because of that. And to me, that's worth more than any bank account ever. Is to say, no, this is the way you need to live and act. And you can't say those kind of things to your children or to people around you uh, if you don't practice it. You know, if if you don't if you don't behave in that kind of way and live in that kind of way. So it's. I, I just uh, Wilder is a guy that technically, uh, I mean, it's just so much that's wrong. But what's not wrong is his power in his right hand punches. As I've said many times on air when I was doing all the ESPN fights, punches are born and are made. 
And and also, quite frankly, after what we saw with Joshua spitting a bit, and uh, at least in my estimation, submitting, I think it's a lot of people's estimation, but uh, Wilder is a guy that, you know, you might beat him, but you got to beat him. You know, yeah. he he's he fights with a tenacity, with a with a recklessness, with with almost an anger, with a. Um, but the one thing you have to really commend him on is that so far in his career, you know, he's fought a lot of nobodies. But when he has been in a couple of real fights, like the Ortiz fight, you know, when he's had to. Um, even in the Fury fight, you know, when he was behind and he had to come back, he's been able to push that button and behave like that guy and act like that guy. You know, still the reckless guy, still the guy that his technique can be terrible, but also the guy that finds a way. Also a guy that it matters. It matters. It matters that he's going to get to you. And, uh, you know, that's someone that you don't mind watching. Yeah. And he's the top of the list right now. Uh, he's got that... Jeff, you have, you have Wilder ahead of Fury? Yeah, well, I mean, from a technical standpoint, you have Fury ahead. You know, I have to put Fury ahead. But Wilder's got the belt. That's got to count for something. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, listen, Fury's the linear champion. He's the guy who, he, he's the man who beat the man who beat the man. Yep. You know, he beat Klitschko. So he's the linear champion until he really loses that. Uh, and, and a draw is not a loss. But listen, the, I'm going to respect what I respect. And the guy who's got the belt right now is Wilder. Fury's right there with him. Uh, but Wilder's got the belt. And you know, the, the second fight, which we might get you know, soon, hopefully, you know, Wilder is saying that he's going to fight Fury uh, after he gets through probably Ortiz, I guess, uh, that he'll fight Fury. And and then we'll, we'll get a little bit better understanding, a better, more clearer view of, of the picture for the heavyweight division for sure. But right now it's it's either 1A or 1B yeah. you know, with those two guys. Uh, again, uh, the better technical fighter, I, I don't think you need Teddy Atlas to tell you, is Fury. Uh, he's pretty remarkable for a guy 6'7", that he's pretty adept at slipping punches at defensive you know, part of the game and pretty fleet-footed for such a big guy and fairly athletic. Uh, but Wada, again, Wada has that thing that uh, that those teachers had when I was a kid. So you, you didn't live through that, I don't think. And Robbie definitely didn't live through that. But he had that thing where those mean teachers where you were daydreaming or you're talking to a girl or you're doing something doodling or whatever you were doing or maybe cheating, looking at someone's back. Well, not that we did that, but I mean, you know, whatever. But you uh, you weren't paying attention in class where those mean teachers took that black eraser and, wah, and, and they threw that hard eraser and hit you right in the head. And they, they were allowed to do that. Nowadays, they'd be taken out in the handcuffs. But but they were allowed to do that kind of stuff. And, and you know, maybe that's... Part of my problem, I got hit with a lot of races, but you know, uh, he's got that eraser, you know. Where, I mean, we don't have chalkboards no more. We have computers. You know, the poor kids, they don't, they don't understand what a chalkboard is. <laughs> God, but you know, they they would take that eraser and they would erase whatever's on the on the board and put whatever they wanted to put up there. And Wilder has that. He's got that eraser where he can do things wrong for three rounds, for four rounds, for eight rounds, for nine rounds, for 10 rounds, for 11 rounds, maybe 12. And somewhere before it ends, he can use that eraser. 
You know, he can do what the what those teachers did to me, hit you upside the head with that eraser, you know? And he kind of threw it the way they threw it. That's the weird <laughs> thing about this whole analogy. Yeah. You know, he, just, he didn't throw a bone, you know, yeah. he, he threw it whatever way, the way they threw it, you know. They weren't exactly, you know, Sandy Kovacs, <laughs> but they chucked that thing. And he's got that. That's a great thing to have. And he got... Obviously, Fury with the technique. He's got the great story behind him. Wada has a great story too. But uh, you know, taking care of his daughter, everything, all, all good things. And Fury has the great story being a, from the gypsies and the the whole thing is yeah. upbringing. And and then you got guys, you know, that are vying for the next slots. You know, you you got Joshua. We got to see where he's going to fit after the. You got Ruiz. Mm -hmm. You know, you got those guys. Um, you have a you have a guy named Joe Joyce from Great Britain. Also, uh, he was a silver medalist in the Olympics. I don't know if he's nine and 0, 10 and 0 with ten knockouts, nine knockouts, but he was a silver medalist. He's a big guy. He's about two sixty. He's untested, obviously, but you're gonna hear about him. You're gonna start to hear about this guy when you're an Olympian. You know they move him fast. Mm -hmm. They move Olympians fast because you, I don't know how many fights he's had, but Olympians might have two hundred fights, two hundred fifty fights, one hundred fights, one hundred fifty fights, and you know what? You can move fast. So he'll be moving fast, especially when you see Ruiz winning. Really, that's going to open the floodgates where everyone's going to come. But if I put anyone at the top of that list, uh, and then you got guys like uh, Konaki, uh, Polish fighter who's like 19 and 0. Uh, he's Dude. a real fan favorite. He's a popular guy, <clears throat> fan friendly. He doesn't have the greatest body either, like Ruiz, you know, but he's, you know, he's fun to watch. I think he gets hit too easy, but obviously he's going to fit. I think he's fighting Chris Ariola, who I love. Uh, Chris Ariola shouldn't fight anymore. I'm sorry. Again, that's what I'm going to say. And he, and he knows I love him. I, I love the, the, his toughness. I love, you know, the person he is. I really do. And he and he's had his moments. And But now he gets hit. He's older. He gets hit too much. And I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to think of where that could take him. And I really, and it bothers me. It concerns me. But, you know, I know it's not my control. One quick thing about Chris Ariola. I love him, and I'm a big fan of the Howard Stern show. And Ariola lost a title shot against, I, I don't even remember who, but after when they were interviewing him, you know, on Howard Stern. Might have been against Wilder, right? I think so. He has, Howard Stern has a sidekick called Gary Delabate. Well, not Wilder. He didn't fight Wilder. He, Ariola fought the guy that Wilder knocked out. Um be twice. Stavern. Stavern. So Howard Stern's sidekick is uh, Gary Delabate. They call him Baba Bowie. And Baba Bowie threw out the first pitch at the Mets one time, and he almost killed someone standing on the sidelines. Like, it was so bad, he hit someone standing between for third base and uh, home plate. So when they were interviewing Ariola, he goes, I effing Baba Bowie'd my chance. I have my chance, and I Baba Bowie'd it. <laughs> That's pretty good. It was an obscure reference, but for yeah. people who watched the show, it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, he... Listen, Ariola, it's got a heart bigger than the outdoors. That's but, right. But I just, anyway, I don't think he should fight anymore because, you know, he's he's been in this game. He's taken punishment and yeah, he's at that point now where it can be more dangerous than it is at other times. Yes, it can always be dangerous. And but anyway, he's a great guy, and uh, he's gonna make his own decision. I just hope it's the right one, and I uh, hope he's o he's okay. But you got this Kanaki, 
Uh, you got all these guys I just Dillian mentioned. White. Uh, Dylan White, I love Dylan White. I've mentioned him before. I think he's one of the top guys. You know, he's only lost to uh, Joshua. They put him in a little too soon. He's a strong guy. He's improved. Uh, he's had some really good wins. Uh, he beat Trisora. He He's got some good wins against solid guys. He belongs. He, he deserves to get a shot. He deserves to be up the top of the pack. But at the top of the pack... Right now, out of those guys, again, so you got Wilder, you got, of course, you got to find out what happens with Joshua Ruiz, right? And you got Fury. But right there, right there, the the guys who's going to knock, who's at the door, ready to come through that door, the next guy, I'm going to say Usyk. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Usyk. I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I, I got to say Usyk. Look, first of all, He's got the pedigree. He's got the, you know, he's a gold medalist from the Olympics. Just, you know, he's just like uh, Lomachenko. Uh, he comes from the greatest stable right now in boxing that uh, that Agus Glimmers has uh, control of. You know, with Lomachenko, most people think it's the number one fighter, if not Crawford, one of those in the world. I think he's number one. I think Crawford's right there, so you could switch from either way. Uh, they're both tremendous, and they're tremendous people and everything else. Um, you got... You got him, you got Usyk in that stable, and of course you got Alexander Vozik, uh, the light heavyweight champ in that stable. And so you got you got Usyk, who's a gold medalist. Uh, he was a cruiserweight champion, unified all the belts, beat everybody. I mean, clean shop, kind of like Holyfield did before he made the step to heavyweights. And he's taken that same journey. You know, he cleaned out the cruiserweights like Holyfield did. Now he's going to heavyweight. And... This is a guy not to be trifled with. This is a serious guy. Fighter you know, of the year, along with the whole stable, won everything. He got fighter of the year. Agus got his second manager of the year. And Anatoly Lomachenko, uh, Vasily's dad, won trainer of the year for training. Um, Usyk, that was Saturday night, Boxing Writers Association of America. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think Usyk, you know, one of the things that, separates him from some of the heavyweights. I just mentioned a few of them. He's a gold medalist. He's got that pedigree. He's got all that confidence, all that experience, uh, beating the best fighters in the world internationally for all those years as an amateur. Uh, and he, he's, you know, he's a champion, undefeated champion, uh, cruiserweight, wiped out that weight class. He comes from a winning stable. He comes from the Ukraine with, with, Vozik and Lomachenko, they know how to win. Everything that's attached to that. And he's got legs, baby. And the reason I say that is with these big guys in every weight division, most of them you really can't, other than Fury, who's the biggest of them all, which is very unusual, you can't really point out anyone who's got really real good legs, real good wheels. And his wheels you know, will allow him to maneuver where he doesn't maybe have the size of some of them that he can make up for that. You know, he can counter that with his legs and everything else that I just said, you know, and, and he's thick. You know, he, he's got the structure to be able to handle the heavyweights, the physical structure. And he's going to be right. He's a guy, you know, you see Ruiz do what he did. And you got a the stock of Uzik. If you own the Uzik stock, man, it's it's like owning U.S. Steel. I mean, it went up. 
It just went up, baby. You know, someone, it just went up 50 points because you got a good shot to be a world champion. Someone mentioned on um, Twitter uh, concerns about Usyk's size, and I replied with, if you think Usyk isn't a heavyweight, stand next to him. Because we, Rob and I, were talking to him and Agus at the fight. How big a neck he got. He, he's, a, he's a humongous person. I mean, he's not a skyscraper like Fury and um, Wilder, but I'll tell you right now, that guy is big as a tank. And when 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 um when Ruiz had him in trouble, everyone was kind of sitting down with a lull in the action, except for Usyk, who was front row, leaning over the, the fencing, looking like the most interested man in the arena. And he must have been licking his chops because he's got really good skills. He's probably he's obviously not as heavy as Ruiz, but he's at least as tall as him. And he is He's 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 athletic. I'm, I'm going to get some people upset here, but I would make him Ruiz the champion deserves all the credit, all the respect, and I give it to him, all of it. You joke around about you know the way he looks, his waistline. All that matters is how he looks when he fights. Yeah, how he looks when he looks in the mirror and what he sees back. And you know what he sees back? He's a freaking champion, and not everyone sees that. So. <laughs> we can talk about everything else, but give Ruiz all, and I give it to him. But if that fight happened tomorrow, I, I might make Usyk if if not if if not a fifty fifty fight, an even fight going in, I make him the favorite. I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. You know, and again, it's no disrespect because I think I explained it before I said it, where it wouldn't come off any way other than I want it to come off the right way. But that would be my thoughts, because he can do more things. He can, you know, Ruiz can attack on that straight line, um, and he showed the heart and the resiliency and good hand speed and everything else. And I don't think he's the puncher that was reflected that night against Joshua. I, I don't think he's that the TNT puncher that right. it it, it, it kind of like was a little a little bit of you know. I'm not saying smoke and mirrors like a David Copperfield magic trick, but uh, you know he got the effect, he got the impact that he got, but it was a little bit of an optical illusion uh, because first of all he caught. We talked about this on the other episode before, but uh, obviously he caught he caught Joshua behind the ear. Um, you know he caught him on the chin too, but he threw. But he never recovered from that equilibrium shot. From that in. Listen, he, he, you know, he, he's what he is. He's a guy that go out there with reckless abandon. Uh, he's a guy that knows how to behave like a fighter. He's a guy who's a champion of the world. What more can you say? But I'm going to say that there's more dimension in that ring to Usyk. Yeah, yeah. If he got to stand with you, hey, he's going to stand with you. Yeah, he'll stand with you. If he got to box, he can box. You know, he can just... He can bring a little bit more diversity uh, options to the game. He's also very athletic. If you watch his Instagram, you'll see him training. He he, he moves like a smaller guy. <clears throat> we well, from Lomachenko's. Yeah. He's got the influence of the guy you just said, the train of the year, Lomachenko's Anatoly um, Lomachenko, Lomachenko's father. You know, he's got, there he is. We asked him. He's got charisma and personality too, obviously, you can see that. We asked him and Agus to come on the show, uh, but he was flying back to Ukraine, but we'll have him on eventually. And uh, And, and again, you talk about his legs, you know, 
he's 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 a funny trained, dude. He's been trained by Lomachenko's father, so he's got that influence. And Lomachenko has the best legs there are in boxing. And uh, <laughs> he's a guy, funny this guy. This guy is really something. You know? So when we went over and talked to him, I asked Alex Vosdick on the phone before I went to talk to Usyk. I said, "Does he speak any English?" He says, "Not a single word." I was like, "Oh, great!" So we went to find Agus. And then we went over and I said to him um, a few words and he said a few words in English. And I said, Agus, tell him if he wants to make a lot of money when he wins the heavyweight titles, he speaks some English. He'll be much more marketable and people will know about this great personality. And Usyk heard what I said and he said, he said, I'm learning, I'm learning. So he's got, trust me, he's got a huge personality. One or two wins in the heavyweight right. division, everyone's going to know about him more than they do now. Also, Rob will get up something that I had asked for to make a comparison to Wilder because you know I want to be I want to be fair and even here, where I point I don't pick on just a guy I pick on whatever I think is there to make a point of, and I always talk about the technique of Wilder and his great right hand, and you know that he's got poor technique he's out of position a lot of times Wilder that is when he throws his punches, and there was a guy, I'm not picking on you, I'm just pointing something out, and you're in good company because there was a guy many years ago when the heavyweight division and heavyweight championship was really the biggest thing there was in sports. Boxing was the biggest sport in the country, bigger than baseball. And where Max Baer, who was a champion of the world at this time, and he's beating, uh, he's fighting a really big guy here, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting, you know. It's kind of like Wado against you know uh, Fury because Fury is so big, and Max Bear, you can see, was this big guy. Max Bear, he's the guy with his back towards us, but but not as big as Canero, who was about six foot seven. He was like furious, and the thing that they had in common that for me was that they both had great right hands. Max Bear had a tremendous right hand, but their technique would suffer. They would load up with it. they get out of position. Let's watch a little footage. So again, this is a Max Bay. I wanted Rob to grab this, and he grabbed it from me. We can let it run now. And and there's Max Bay. Whoa! You know, he, he landed the right hand, but you could see, you know, he fell forward with his right foot. You know, there's the right hand again, looping there. He's out of position, but of course, he's effective. He's, he's got him. The referees let fights go a little longer back in those days. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he's ready to let him hit him quite, with a chair. Quite, quite a bit longer, you know, actually. Um, he, he looked like he stopped and he said, oh, he got up, I'll let it go. <laughs> so he, he changed his mind, you know. I mean, God, you, you didn't want this referee in there because you were having a tough night, that's for sure. But he, I mean, just look, you see what I'm saying? So you people out there that hear me say, you know, Wilder's technique's bad, you know, I'm fair about it. I'm pointing out another heavyweight champ whose technique wasn't too good, but he was heavyweight champ of the world. And um, and that was Mr. Max Bear right there that you could see is, is uh, flinging shots uh, from left and right. <laughs> Not and, to mention he's flinging shots with the equivalent of like a uh, mitten on yeah, he, he looked like he had like three ounce gloves. Well, that's true. Back in those days, they fought, they fought in six ounce gloves. <laughs> I mean, nowadays they fight in uh, ten. Yeah, you know, some weight class depend on the weight. They fight in eights. Yeah, but um, but usually for heavyweights, it's ten. And there they were back in those days. Before that, they were fighting in four ounce. 
There was a time they fought oh, four outs. Might as well just have but, none. Well, no, no, but but in some ways you might as well say that the UFC was around longer than we thought. They were <laughs> yeah. around before we understood that the UFC existed. Yeah. Because they fight in almost no gloves. But there, again, you see the similarities? So again, you people out there that think I'm being unfair, I'm not being unfair. I'm being honest. Look at that. I mean, that's Max Bear, baby. Uh, that, but no, that's Wilder. And, and very, again, very similar to what you saw how many years ago? We're talking about Max Bear back in what, the 30s, the 40s? By the way, as right? we're looking at this clip, you know who that was refereeing? The great Arthur McCanty Jr., my uh, good yeah, friend. Yeah, Arthur McCanty, first of all, he's a great ref. And his father was one of the greatest, if not the greatest ref. Ref Ali Frazier's dad. One of the he he refed a lot of huge fights. Yeah, that was one. Of the, doesn't get bigger than that one. Yeah. but his father was one of the greatest referees of all time. Arthur Junior is a great and, and dude. A great human being, and Arthur Junior is both. Yeah, he inherited both traits as Such, a referee. I wish he worked more. A human being, but again, you see the similarities of Wilder and Max Bear, and I wanted to make that point. Yeah. you know that that sometimes as much as we move forward we don't change mm -hmm. that there's some things that stay the same and we have a heavyweight champ who reminds me who would have thought that but um reminds me of a guy that goes all the way back to the 30s and 40s the max man i just wonder if wilder in the next fight shows some signs of improvement since that wild fight against but, but, wilder because no, I, we didn't see I, anything I against dominic listen, brazil that's a fair point but i'm gonna take you on i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a little bit of a light on that point it's yeah. a fair point but again is it real or is it a little bit of convenience and what we want to see a mirage because yeah he looked like he improved but against a very cooperative stationary opponent in brazil where water looked better but he looked better because he was able to throw the jab. brazil was right in front of him Oh, yeah. He was able to throw that jab and then follow with the straight right hand and the night was over, one, two, yeah. three. So we didn't get into those stages where he could have got tested in other areas where in the deep end of the pool where we could have seen some of the other stuff come out. Yeah, that's actually what I meant to say. Is we didn't get to see against Brazil, but I'm wondering if he took anything away from that Wilder fight, uh, from the uh, Fury fight and worked on any of the technique that was so exposed in the Fury fight. Well, I'm sure they worked against, on it. Yeah. I'm sure they were. That doesn't mean we got a chance to see if it really exactly. reflected That's right. uh, in that fight because Brazil, again, I'm going to say it again, was cooperative. You know, he's right in front of you and, you know, hit me and he hit him. But uh, I would say that Wada should improve because in that area, and his forte, of course, is the jab in the right hand, the mm -hmm. delivery system of the jab to set up the right hand. And I've talked on other episodes about how we've had heavyweights and heavyweight champions that uh, have used that delivery system to be champions, yeah. you know, in, in great ways. Uh, there's a history of that, of uh, having that signature punch. And there's no shock that Wilder would have that signature punch because he's got the power in the right hand. But beyond that, because his trainer was a guy who had it. Mark Breland. Mark Breland was one of the greatest amateurs of all time. And Mark Breland was a guy that actually scared the crap out of people in the amateurs. They, they would actually get out of his weight class when they found out that he was in a tournament because that's how devastating it was with the right hand. And again, it was a long jab and a straight right hand, just like Wilder. Long jab, straight right hand. Mark Breland had that. He had that before Wilder ever existed and and Mark Vreeland also won a welterweight title in the pros too but he was one of the greatest amateurs of all time and he got it done 
with length, uh, you know, height, length, jab in the right hand. Kind of like Mario Rivera. You know, people probably say, Teddy, how do you change gears to, and now you're talking baseball? <laughs> Mario Rivera, Mariano Rivera was one, and there's Mark Breland. See, Rob's the best. He's the best. But see, the, you see what I'm talking about? The the, the, the right Oof. hand, I mean, he had that devastating He had that devastating right hand. Now, he was much better technically, much better boxer. Of course, he's a welterweight, not a heavy welterweight. You have yeah, to be yeah. technical. But he had much better technique than Wilder. But again, you see the right hand, and you see the length you see the long arms uh you know now you're just seeing you know him take guys apart but uh again you, you you see that right hand you see the you see the wiry frame kind of like wilder you know wiry yeah. frame long arms you know long jab and um he's fighting davy moore the the, the late davy moore who was junior middleweight Oh no, that's Aaron Davis. I'm sorry, that's Aaron Davis. He's fighting uh, right there, and Davis actually came back to win that fight, uh, where it <sighs> didn't look like he would there, or the heart that he showed. But again, you see Breland, you know, really interesting that a trainer would or a fighter would look like the trainer did when he fought. Really interesting yeah, if you think you about mean. it. That both of them wiry, both of them tall, both of them long arms, both of them great right hands, both of them long jabs. Really interesting. Really, really is. When when you look at that, and again, because of Rob, we get to see that, which is perfect timing. Speaking of um, improving um, from one fight to another, one of the fighters that you had mentioned that we've discussed before who didn't seem to be improving was uh, Triple G, and he's got a fight coming up next Saturday against Steve Rolls, and he's changed trainers. Um, Rob and I spoke with them for a little bit at the garden the other night about uh, just about that. He was with Jonathan Banks and said, look for, look to see something different in his um, style and technique, and I'll be curious to see if he shows any improvement over the last couple outings that we've seen. And uh, I'd love to hear your take. I know we've talked about it before, but maybe just like, let's just touch on that one because coming up this, um, this weekend and um, I know they're doing a ton of promotional work. Well, they need it. It's tough selling that fight. Very. Quite frankly. Very. And we do try to be quite frankly over here, mm -hmm. you know, and um, matter of fact, this, that might be our new names, Frank and Lee, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, you know, change names. Um, yeah, it, it, listen, it's hard to sell, you know, that fight when you're fighting a guy, 19, what, 19 and old, 35 years old, and uh, hasn't fought anyone, yeah. you know. But Rolls will be in there. He's from, I believe, Canada. He'll mm -hmm. be in there giving it his all. I, I don't think it'll be enough, you know. Yeah. I, I think that they're given a layup, that, that layup, as we like to word it, uh, to... Triple G for his first fight in this deal, you know. That seems to be the MO for the um, DAZ, those deals. The, the zone deal. Uh, yeah, he's, he's getting a layup. He's getting, you know, that, that first one to be the a uh, little bit of an hors d'oeuvre uh, before he goes and eats some of the meals that will be in front of him after this. But I think he'll probably get to Rolls with the right hand. Rolls from the little bit of tape I've seen on him, he has a tendency to be in position where you can hit with right hands. And also one of the things I would expect for to see, not that it's different, but I would <clears> expect <throat> to see, I would think, is for Golovkin to go to the body. There's no better place to go with a guy who hasn't been in those deep waters yet that Golovkin's been in. Uh, 
a guy that's going from the wading pool to the ocean because that's where Rose is going, baby. He's going from the wading pool to the ocean. And you know what? And the sea is angry. Well, it, it might become angry, you know? And it's not fun swallowing a couple gulps of that salt water. You know, it, it, it can upset your stomach. And speaking of stomachs, there's no better place to go to upset, to take advantage of that rough sea than to go to the stomach, to go downstairs, as I used to say on ESPN, go put water in the basement. And I think that that's what I would look to see with Triple G against Rose is for him to go test that body. Because when you've got a guy who's never been there, never been on the rough seas, you, you want to see if he can get, if he's got a tendency of getting seasick, you know? <laughs> so you go bang him downstairs a little bit. Welcome him to the big leagues. Yeah. See, there's no better way to welcome someone to the big leagues in boxing, to where he's never been before, than to bang, pop him downstairs. Well, how do you like it, bud? Uh, it's going to be a good night tonight. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the dance. This is going to be fun. All right? I got some more of that. For another few rounds, if, you, if that wasn't enough. Kind of like, you know, again, jumping into another sport. Kind of like the great Bob Gibson. Hope you guys know Bob Gibson out there. One of the great pitchers of all time. The great fastball. And a tough guy. And a guy that was a competitor. And you know what? If you dared to crowd the plate on him, or if you were a rookie and you were coming up for the first time against Bob Gibson, he introduced you to the leagues, to the big leagues. And you know how he did it? With a 100-mile-an-hour fastball under your ear. <laughs> Whoa! Hey, welcome to the big leagues. Now see if you sit in that box and you feel so confident. Now see if things don't change a little bit. Bob Gibson would do that. I would expect Golovkin uh, to do that, to welcome Rolls to the big leagues. And listen, the question is, what does Golovkin have left? I think he's shot-worn. I'm not saying you're going to see Again, people, uh, we're going to tell you. Uh, I mean, I think he's a little shot-worn. I, I think that those Canelo fights showed that. I think that they took a little bit. I thought he won the fights, but, and I've said it, but I think that they took a little something more out of him. Uh, there's only, it's a tough business. There's only so many punches in every fighter. You know, there's only so many miles you can put on that odometer. Mm -hmm. See, I don't judge fighters age chronologically. Yeah. No, I don't. I hear, what is uh, Triple G, 37, 36, whatever? In that context. Right? Okay. I don't judge. I judge it by the amount of punches yeah. that they've taken. That's how I judge the age of a fighter. And he's he also on, had like three or four hundred amateur fights. Yeah, yeah, he has. And, and he's 37, 37 years old, Rob's the man. And, you know, he's, listen, he's done most of the punching in his career. He, yeah. He's done most of the hitting. He hasn't been the hit. -y. He's been the hitter, not the hit -y. So for the most part. But in the Canelo. But he's also not a Mayweather. He doesn't, he no, takes, and, he and takes he, shots. He, yes. And and he you know he, he took shots in the Danny Jacobs fight where maybe he started to get exposed a little bit when yeah. he fought a real full middleweight. We won't go into the full thing, but you know, and he got caught there. Uh, he's had all those amateur fights. The stuff adds up. It yeah. adds up. I'm just saying that he's getting to that place. So part of it is, I don't know exactly how much is left uh, in the body, in the in the tank of Golovkin, but. He's supposed to dominate this fight, obviously. Yeah. But then again, 
And again, <laughs> Joshua was supposed to dominate the fight with Ruiz. Exactly. Right? You know, so we gotta we gotta be fair and say that. But uh I would I would expect him to go downstairs. I don't know what he's gonna show as far as new he got a new trainer, he's got Jonathan Banks who was uh the protege, the assistant of the great Emmanuel, the great late Emmanuel Stewart, and he uh Jonathan Banks replaced Emmanuel Stewart when he passed away and took over the training duties with Klitschko, with uh, Vladimir Klitschko. And I think that's why he's in there because Golovkin was promoted for years by the Klitschkos and I think that that had some influence that when he was looking for a new trainer. And I think that at this point in his career, in his life, that Golovkin, I've always said it, I didn't think he improved. I just thought he never got any better. Like he was, he he depended on his physicality, being being the bigger guy for the most part. He was fighting a lot of junior middleweights, taking nothing away from him, but he was fighting a lot of junior middleweights, and he was knocking them out. And then he got in there with some bigger guys, and he got older too. So, what was it? This was how much was that? How much was it? You know. Uh, starting to come up short because he was fighting better fighters and bigger guys, how much it was because he was getting older. But the one thing is I never saw him get any better, more creative. Uh, you know, show me any new things. It was always the same, you know, jab right hand, go to body, uppercut, whatever, but uh, pretty much on a straight line. And he was just a better guy. He was the bigger, better, stronger guy. And now... He's at a point because of his age and because of his two difficult fights with Canelo where he's at the twilight of his career. He's getting closer to that exit door. And I think he's looking for some some help. He's looking to be better in some areas if he can be better. And that's why we've got a new trainer, uh, a guy that can teach him something. Because I don't think he felt with... I don't think he felt with uh, Abel Sanchez with Sanchez that he was getting that, yeah. that that he was learning anything mm -hmm. uh, in those kind of areas new. And so I think that he's hoping for that. I don't know if he's going to get it. We'll see. We'll see. You know, there's that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. But it, because it's a matter of who's teaching. Exactly. Who's teaching. So if banks can have the ability to teach, and to show him some things, I think that Golovkin, even at this stage of his career, having made so much money and accomplished so much, I think he still has the thirst, the desire to learn more. I agree. You know, to, to get some help. Because when you're getting old and you're getting hit, you, you want help. You, you want somebody to show you something that can make that task, which is a very difficult task, getting inside that squared circle, make it a little easier. I think just the fact that they have the new trainer and, and for all the reasons you just mentioned, I think you're going to see, personally, I think we're going to see just a, uh, uh, a thorough beatdown. But I'm curious, how do you see the fight playing out specifically, if you had to guess? I Listen, it's always difficult to make in these predictions because there's always someone out there run out with their money and say, Teddy said this, I'm going <laughs> to flop it on you. If you're smart, you might go the other way. Teddy said this, I'll go over here. Maybe that's the way to go. but um, And you always worry about that, but you guys are responsible for yourselves and for your own choices. We talk about that on this show all the time. <laughs> and uh, I would say 
I would look for Golovkin, you know, kind of like a horse race. And I'm not uh, denigrating anybody by saying a horse race with human beings. I'm, I'm just saying that in horse races, there's classes. You know, your horse goes up in class, goes yep. down in class. Um, he's going up in class, obviously. You don't need me to tell you roles. And I just think that at 35 years old, going from the wading pools of the ocean, um, there's going to be a few waves waiting for him, you know? And I don't know if he's going to be ready for that. I think that I would expect, again, for Golovkin, uh, again, it, it's it's a matter of what's really left. I don't know. But in this case, I'm going to, I think I'm going to make an assumption that there's enough left at this different class level to be able to get the job done and you would hope to be dominant. You know, if, if they're going to go down that road with the zone and earn the money that's on that contract mm. and, and continue to wherever they can continue at this point in his career. So I, I would say that uh, I'd say a dominant performance, go to the body and uh, separate himself in the class and show that by getting a five rounds, you know, four or five round, six rounds, somewhere in that area, stoppage. You know, could it turn out that uh, it becomes something completely foreign to that? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But that's, for me, that would be the performance you're looking for. That if there is anything to show, to work on, that he's learned, to take four or five rounds to show that. Yeah. You know, to, to show that uh, and, and then to dominate, to take control, to separate yourself the way you're supposed to separate yourself in this kind of fight. He's a much bigger favorite than um, and Anthony Joshua is. I think he's uh, minus seven thousand and to plus three thousand on um, on rules. So I, to me, it's hard to bet either way because uh, typically I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say you know four, five, six, four, five rounds. Uh, Golovkin somewhere in that area, six rounds. So you're supposed to get to him. Yeah, you're supposed to. Yeah, Does that mean that it has to happen? No, of course not. We it's gambling that we're talking about right here. Yeah. But um, that's a lot of that's a lot of wood. <laughs> that's too much for me. I, I typically like to throw a small bet on the uh, big underdog like that. But the I, man I, we got to have on the show. You know, we got to we're going to talk about this kind of stuff. We got to have my man, a good friend of mine, who's probably the most renowned uh, handicapper, sports better. There's very few sports better that can make a living at it. Very few. R right? I mean, come very on. few. Right? Like Customato used to tell me, hey, Teddy, those casinos don't get, keep getting bigger because they lose. Exactly. They don't keep adding on because they lose. That's right. Well, it's true. Same and with they sports lose, betting. They change the rules. Yep. So, um, but the guy that does it for a living for many years, he's got his own TV show now on Showtime. Uh, He's one of the guys that has that's involved in the show. He's a good friend of mine, my family's. He's a good human being. His name is Billy Krakenberger, mm -hmm. and um, he he's the man. Is that show called Sharps? Yeah, on I Showtime. That, I think yeah. that's it. He's 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 one of the guys that yeah. you know is highlighting. It's a funny that, show. That's highlighting that show, and he he's the best of all of them. Yeah, and this is what he does. This is what he does. This is what we do. This is you know boxing is obviously the only thing I really know. Um, and or to the degree that I know it, uh, the out of everything, 
like I say, I, I don't hide it. I, I painted one house when I was young. And other than a box and the house, I painted it well. I stripped it down. I scraped it, put put three coats on. I mean, really, primer. Really, primer. Primer. I know. I've done it all. Trust me. Yeah. So, but other than that, boxing has been, you know, it's been a journey for me. And I've been blessed. I've been lucky. But Billy Krakenberg, a good friend, he's, uh, he's a guy that, I think is the, probably the elite in that business of sports handicapping. And uh, he knows all the numbers. You know, he doesn't do... It's not gambling for guys like him. It, it's about having an edge. Yeah. It's like the stock market. Yep. You know, it, it's not gambling. Like he, Taking he, calculated like the, the reality. Bets. Really, you'll walk to a casino with him. If you go near a table, he'll look at you like you're a fool. Like you're a fool. Like, <laughs> where are you going? Oh, I was going to go uh, play a little roulette. Roulette? What? <laughs> you know, the odds on uh, that point two and he starts hitting you with that. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to play blackjack. You know, they have the edge on blackjack, too. It should be this, but they, they the house, you know, taints <laughs> it and, and slights it where they get this advantage, you know, instead, yeah. instead of that, you know, whatever, whatever the game is. Um, he, he won't go. I mean, he'll play blackjack because, but other than that, uh, he, he only play that under certain circumstances yeah. too. How many? How many? How many uh, decks? decks? You know the whole thing. So uh, again, he'll look at you like you're nuts. And a lot of people think, that, and they're wrong. They say, "Oh, she's just a gambler." He'll bet. No, he's not one of these guys that are betting on a cockroach race. <laughs> you, you know these maniacs. No, he, only on things that he has more information than the others. He has enough information to have an edge. And there, there he is. is. There's my man. That's my man right there. Wow. There oh, Wow. There he is. We you were at Peter, we were <laughs> Peter Lucas. And um, the best steaks, I think, in New York. One of the best in, maybe in the country. Bill well, looks like he enjoys a good steak. Hopefully will be a sponsor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he does. Hopefully there'll be a sponsor, Peter Lucas. We're getting sponsors out of this stuff. I don't um, imagine he ever tells them, like, no, skip the bread. All right. That's a <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bill. I'm just kidding. Okay, wait till he comes on the show. It is, it's going to be very uh, interesting. <laughs> hey, well, there's another there's another fight coming up the week after that. That's um, also with a huge line. We've touched on it before, but just because it's coming up, I want to revisit Tyson Fury and Tom Schwartz. And again, this is um, first of a three fight deal for Tyson Fury with top rank, <clears throat> and it looks like they're giving him uh, another layup. Yeah, I mean, it's another Christmas gift, early Christmas gift, you know, really. See, the problem I have with Swartz is not that he can't look like he's got a beautiful looking record. What is it, 22-0 or 26-0, 24-0? I think it's 24. 24-0. Right? I mean, beautiful looking record. But he's kind of like the you go, into a, you go into a car lot, you know, and you see this car that's all polished up. You know, it's, it's got a nice shine on it, nice glint. Not as nice as your car. You know, I know you're like, <laughs> you got top, top level. But really nice car, polished up, beautiful, you know. And, and a guy's selling it to you. Kind of like the promoter, you know. He, car salesmen and promoters, you know what? They're very similar. They're very close, okay? And I think most, all promoters had to be car salesmen before they, I think that's a rule. They had to be a car salesman before they became a promoter. So you got this promoter, car salesman, I'm sorry, and he's in a car lot, and he's, look at this baby right here. 
This baby's beautiful. 24-0, baby. Look, the polish. Look at the wheels. Look at look <clears> at the <throat> curves on that body there. The, 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 the aerodynamics of it. Everything is really beautiful. Can I open the hood up? No! <laughs> what? Can I open? No! Don't just take it. Just buy it. It's beautiful. What do you want to open the hood for? You might see that there's no engine in there. <laughs> and that's kind of what I... That's what I think of this fight. I, I, I'm sorry. And now listen, having said that, I'll put it all out there. Having said that, you know, Fury's the kind of guy that clowns around. He might yeah. be, uh, have his clown shoes on that night and say, you know, I'm going to fool around. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do all that stuff. And, and maybe the fight lasts longer than maybe it should. But other than that, <laughs> this is... This is the car with no engine in it. You know, it, it's not going to get out of the driveway. It, it might not get out of the driveway unless you push it. So if it gets pushed, and the guy pushing it would be Fury. Yeah. Fury would be pushing it by clowning around. So he pushes it, all right, it's going to get a few blocks. But, you know, and, and Fury's not a big, huge punch. He's just a big, huge guy. But so it's going to be up to Fury. There's Fury come in there to play around and entertain you with his first fight with this deal with ESPN? Does he come out there to play or does he come out there to fight and to be serious? You know, I don't know. But all I know is, and we'll get a clip of this because we showed it already, yeah. is that Schwartz doesn't know how to behave like a fighter sometimes. You know, and in this fight, this is all... This is a, this this, Sanad Gashi. Me, yeah, this to me shows you that... You know, when you open up the hood, there might not be an engine. Uh, here he is. He's the guy with his back to you. Uh, you know, he, he's getting pounded. So and he gosh, decides to take a flop. Now watch. There was a little bit of a headbutt. Look, uh, come on. You you be the judge out there. Did, did that do that? Ken, did, do you think that did that? Well, if it, it, look, look at him. He lays. He lays. I, I, I almost want to call up someone and say, is he okay? Is, did yeah. he ever recover? Well, well obviously he recovered because he's fighting Fury. But They're giving him first aid. They're giving him about five minutes to recover. He's fighting Fury. When he realizes they're not going to DQ the other guy, he gets back up and they continue fighting. Like, this guy, when he, looking at him he there. He said it right. When he realized, like, he, every once in a while he opened one eye and say, did, did they disqualify him? No, they haven't. You got to get up. And, and then he gets up and they go on and then eventually they disqualify this guy and he and wins. Stasi's getting to him there too. But the way he laid there, it's not like he look. It's not that he can't look like a fighter. Yeah, there, there, there. Yeah, there was the disqualifying yeah. shot. What? Look at that. Oh, look, he's gonna go down again. He he waved it off himself. He was gonna go down again, and he by by acting that way, he got the goes. referee's attention, right? Yeah. And the referee came in there and disqualified. He got what he wanted. He, yeah. got a, he got a, he got a parachute out of there. He got what he wanted. But <laughs> hey, look at the look, guy. This guy's like saying, "Hey, you punk." Yeah. I, I hate to talk that way, but yeah. I mean, he's that's kind of what he's saying. Like, I know that you've been freaking trying to get out of there, and come on, fight. The first the first headbutt was legit. It was a headbutt, but it clearly didn't hit him like the way he went down. That second one was uneventful. It was an accidental, no, incidental. And, and he was ready to go down on that yes. one just to get yes. what he wanted. He wanted to get the referee to help him. Right there, look. look and he got there the referee to help him and the referee to squabble. This is the guy fighting Fury. All I'm saying is, not that he can't throw punches that look like a fighter, but he can't behave like a fighter. I want a guy who behaves like a fighter <clears throat> when the moment comes. Yeah. Now, if that moment comes with Fury, this is what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. 
That's what you're gonna get. Maybe that moment won't come with Fury. I mean, the guys. <laughs> this is what you get. They waved it off, right? and the guy still wants to keep fighting Stasi. Again, again, by being this forward and frank about the things we are, because we we want to give the audience everything that's to give them. Mm. This is there. Well, well, most people give them this. No, but it's there to give them if you're ready to go down that road and do your work like we did. We looked and we saw what we saw. We can give you that information. Mm. Then you digest it the way you digest it, but at least you should have that information. Yeah. And you know what this is a good thing for? It's a good because you're showing the fans things they normally wouldn't get a chance to know going in. But it's good for me in a selfish way. It eliminates the amount of Christmas cards <laughs> that I'll get at the holidays that I don't want. <laughs> You know, I yep. don't want all that extra clutter. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, my wife takes the string. Does your wife do that? You <laughs> she, take the string, you put it, she's the best. She's right? got a I new design every wife. year. <laughs> but she puts the string and puts all the, right, opens yeah. it up and puts the, you know. Well, now in my house, you have a lot of string, <laughs> but not so many cards. Well, that one, I, I think that's just a formality. But like you said, I think I think the ball's in Wilder's court. I would imagine he blasts him out of there in a hurry with with um, Wilder on the horizon and another painting. But it's a perfect um, perfect scenario to have a letdown for for Fury. Well, I mean, it's in yes, it's a sandwich like Billy Krakenberg, mm -hmm. the great handicapper, my friend, good person. Like he would say, it's a sandwich game. You mm -hmm. know where where you're coming like in another sport where you're coming off a game and you have an in between game before a big game. You're coming off a big game, coming off a big one. He's coming off a big one. Yeah. Big one. You're coming off a big game, you know, college football, basketball, whatever you want to do, Duke, Alabama, whatever. You're coming off a big game with one of those teams. Now you're playing a one double A one AA school. Yeah, now you're playing a one double A, a smaller school. And then the next game, you have a big game again. So you got that sandwich game. We see Michigan do it against uh, Appalachian exactly. State. And, and it's emotions. And, you know, this is about emotions. Because that and next fight's already been announced with um, with with Wilder. Yeah. Right? They're talking about it. So you have that scenario where you can have that, that mental letdown. No doubt about it. But you also have the part that I touched on earlier. That you're dealing with a guy in Fury who's an entertainer. He likes to clown around. And he might just come there to clown around. You know, I don't know. If you had to bet, what? How do you see it playing out specifically? Right yeah, here, you go. You, you want this? You you you're playing to that betting audience. I I know. I know. Our man over here telling you he's directing you. I I get it. I get it. Um, we look when I see a guy that behaves like that. I'm I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna say that Fury. You better earn some of your money, and you better freaking go in there with some seriousness and get them to behave that way. And I'm gonna say that uh, if if a guy of the level that we saw him in there with, um, what was the guy's name? Stasi. Stasi. Gashi, right? Gashi. Sorry, Sanad Gashi. Yeah, Gashi. If if he could get him to behave that way and to be ready to just capitulate the way he was ready to do, then Fury's supposed to be able to do that. So I'm going to say that somewhere 
Somewhere. Really? <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't laugh because we don't want to laugh because that looks serious. No, very. But, but it wasn't serious. No. In turn, it's that's an the only act. reason we're laughing. He's pretending he's hurt. Yeah, he's making believe he's hurt. Because we know what he did. We know the scenario. We know what was real, what played out. Otherwise, we'd never laugh about something like that. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going to say that because of the knowledge of that, that we've now given to the audience, I would have to say that Fury can get him to that kind of place of thinking and behaving the way that a fighter should never behave and get him to break down in, I'd say, four or five rounds. Four or five rounds. I mean, uh, again, if Fury decides that he wants to play games and he wants to, you know, put his hands behind his back and do this, and well, then obviously those are rounds that he's going to allow the guy to survive. Yeah. But if he comes there to say, you know, I'm here to show I'm one of the best heavyweights in the world in light of what's going on in the heavyweight division with everything being turned upside down with the upset of Ruiz over Joshua, and I want to show that I'm I'm the best guy out there, if he comes with that attitude, then I'm going to say uh, I can't see him going more than four or five. I agree. Um, Schwartz, for the record, is 24-0, but he only has 16 knockouts, and he's a big dude, 6'5 and a half, and obviously a heavyweight in the heavyweight division, but to only have 16 of them. Now watch, watch, watch Fury do this and then get hit on the chin. <laughs> and, and, you know, Stranger things have happened. Yeah, like Either way, I'm I'm gonna be okay with the Christmas card situation. Either yeah, way, yeah. I don't have to worry about that. That's one thing out of the way. I will not have to worry about my kitchen table being cluttered by Christmas cards that are getting ready to be put on the string. Well, I hope that uh, I'd like to see Fury win that fight because I like him. I think he's good for the division. Oh, he I, I think I, he's good for the sport. I love him. I really like him. I'd love to have him on the show. If you're listening, let us know. I think when Wilder's you're good for the sport. I agree. Way, I don't like the way that he talks. Sometimes. Sometimes. No, I don't. Yeah. But, uh, but. I think sometimes he lets his emotions get the better of him. power. Because I don't think Wilder's a bad guy. I think sometimes he says things that But I think his power and I think his attitude of confidence. Agreed. uh, I I think, you know, of believing in himself. um, And, and quite frankly, also the sensationalism that comes with him, that you could see the possibility that comes with him every time he gets in a ring, that you could see a devastating knockout yeah. is good for the sport because it brings interest. It brings electricity. It brings <laughs> excitement. It brings what Mike Tyson used to bring yeah. when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and they called him Kid Dynamite. Mm-hmm. It brings that to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, and um, so I think that uh, hopefully we'll get a... Hopefully we'll get... um. Hopefully we'll look right to the betting public out there. Like, these guys won't be like cursing me for like a week. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> you should be all right. We're going to wrap it up there. Next time I'll see you, we'll be uh, up at the Hall of Fame. Well, I appreciate you and Rob coming up there, you know, for that. And for me, that's the greatest thing about it, you know, that it'll be a moment, another chance to celebrate something nice and just a good thing with the people that you care about with you, with your family and with your friends with you to just to enjoy a good moment and yeah. and to be able to say thank you uh, to my family 
for being there and allowing me to to pursue the career that I pursued, which sometimes can be selfish because while you justify it by doing what you have to do to take care of your family, and it's true, but you're still taken away from them to the point where you're missing holidays and you're missing birthdays and you're missing graduations. And um, it, it, it never gets forgotten to me that I miss those things. And again, you do it, the justification of it is you're doing it to take care of your family. You're doing it for your own career too. Yeah. But you're doing it to take care of your family. You're doing it for all those reasons. But there is sacrifice on their side mm-hmm. where you're not around and sacrifice on your side because you want to be around. Yeah. And so the greatest thing that this <laughs> represents for me is just a chance to say thanks, thanks, thanks to your family for that. And to me, that's the greatest value of this. Cool. Well, and I appreciate you guys <clears throat> going to be there. Oh, we wouldn't miss it. Well, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and we've got some uh, <clears throat> interesting um, guests lined up to speak with us up at the up at the uh, ceremony. Yeah, you, it, there's going to be plenty of them up there. I mean, yeah. you got all the you got all the you got all the special people in the sport of boxing will be there. You know, or from from past, you know, present. And future, uh, they will be there. Yeah. So <clears throat> stay tuned, and we'll uh, we'll be back with you shortly. Um, thanks for tuning in, and continue to subscribe, comment, share the links. Appreciate all the support, and be kind to him. Be aware <laughs> of the sensitivity. He's a good man. 